Little honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, cast on skillets, good and hot, watch it steam and crack and pop, cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at them loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that Mountain South Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. Today we are setting the table with malt. I visit with Aaron Goss, founder of the Carolina Malt House. This agricultural enterprise is located in Cleveland, North Carolina, where Aaron works with local farmers within 10 miles of the malt house who grow grains that the Carolina Malt House then makes into different styles of malted grains for different breweries. Aaron also works with a Tennessee farmer in Coffee County, Tennessee, who grows a specific barley for the Carolina Malt House named Tennessee Two Row. Several award-winning Tennessee breweries use malts from the Carolina Malt House, such as Blackberry Farm Brewery, Tennessee Brew Works, Common John, Harding House, Yeehaw, and more. Thank you so much for tuning in today by podcast or radio broadcast. I really appreciate your good company. Let's join Aaron right now and hear about the Carolina Malt House. Aaron, thanks so much for being here. And um, can you describe basically what Carolina Malt House is? Sure. A lot of people know that beer contains hops, uh, but not a lot of people think about malt as uh, being an ingredient in beer. So malt is made by taking barley or wheat or other uh, cereal grains and starting to germinate them and then halting the germination process at a particular point. If you went to make beer without first malting your grains, uh, you wouldn't get beer. Uh, It wouldn't have alcohol in it. So it's, it's a necessary process. Uh, it requires a lot of time and space to do, and that's why your brewery doesn't do it. That's why it has to be done before it goes to the brewery. So uh, Carolina Malt House buys locally grown barley, wheat, oats, rye. Uh, we've even done corn and sorghum, and we malt it, and we sell that malt to brewers and distillers uh, so that they can make a, uh, a locally grown beer or liquor for uh, people in our area. I thought that 
malt comes only from barley. So I didn't know it came from all those other grains. Yeah. Usually when you talk about malt, it is barley, but you can malt a lot of different grains. So cool. Now, whereabouts are you located? We're in Cleveland, North Carolina, uh, which is between Salisbury and Statesville, which if you're not from this area, then uh, those, those small towns are north of a town called Charlotte. So most people have heard of Charlotte. Um, we're on 60 acres, uh, had to have a lot of land to be able to deal with the water from the malting process. And, uh, we've got a little blueberry orchard, pawpaws, figs, and some yeah, beautiful little piece of land. Oh, how neat. Well, how did you get into this business, Aaron? Well, uh, I started making beer, oh gosh, a long time ago now when I was in law school, I guess it was like, uh, 16 years ago now. But I uh, started making beer, I went on to all grain brewing. So normally when you home brew, you start out with extract. I went on to all grain brewing where I, I bought malt from a, a homebrew supply shop. And then after that, I took an extra step that uh, most people don't do, which was I, I got some barley from a farmer near my hometown. Uh, I'm from Salisbury, which is right in North Carolina's grain belt. And I got some barley from a farmer nearby, malted it myself made beer with it. And then uh, in 2013, when I got married, I uh, made all the beer for my wedding. And uh, at the end of the night, it was all gone. And uh, I had some people asking, well, you know, hey, this beer is great. What, what, what's different? And I said, well, it's, it's fresh, you know, like beer is liquid bread. And this was locally grown, local ingredients, uh, fresh, it's, it's fresh beer, like, like fresh bread. And, uh, it just makes it, makes it taste better. And, um, people said, well, you, you know, you should make beer. And I said, well, actually what I should make is malt. <laughs> and, uh, and then we can, we can help all the brewers that are already out there, uh, make something that's truly agriculturally distinct instead of just kind of their own spin with the same ingredients that everybody else is using. Do you work a lot with, I guess, obviously the local growers? Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, when we got started, I had a meeting with uh, all my local grain farmers. talked to them about what our quality requirements were to be able to make malt and uh, got them all in a room and said, hey, can you, can you grow this? And uh, they said, well, we think so. And uh, last year we grew 1,200 acres. We're looking at something close to that this year. So um, yeah, we're uh, it's it's seems to be working out for everybody. I just think that's a, a wonderful thing. Sometimes it's hard to ask someone to grow something. Did you have a lot of skeptics at first? Or oh sure, uh, and we we had to contract in advance for everything we wanted grown. Uh, still have to do that because if um, there's no one else around buying malting barley. So if, if we don't buy it, then uh, yeah, that, that not, not many other buyers available. I think that you're really smart to do this business. Well, thanks. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, it might have been smarter to just keep on practicing law, but uh, it, it does feel good uh, to be in this business. And uh, it feels really good to try the beers that our customers make using our product. So. Uh, that part's a lot of fun. It's it's very it's at least very uh, gratifying to be in the business. So yeah, maybe that was smart. That always is. It's not just you. I bet you employ quite a few people at your Carolina Malt House. Well, uh, only about ten actually. Really? Um, so a lot of it is just keeping the machines running. They are big machines, but um, uh, we've tried to automate as much as we can. I, I do have a great little team out there, though. Um, Got some really great people working for me, and we have a good time. 
Can we speak a little bit about the grains being locally grown and your focus on sustainability? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that's something that's really uh, factored in from the start for us is, is we, we didn't want to build a, a business that would, um, I mean, a lot of people that got MBAs at the same time I did, they, they, they think a lot about the exit. You know, anytime you start a business, it's, well, you know, what's your plan for the exit? Like, how, you know, how are you going to sell this business? And uh, that, that wasn't really my plan. I mean, beer, uh, people have been drinking beer for 7,000 years. Um, some, of the, some of the oldest businesses around, at least in Europe, are breweries uh, that have been making beer for hundreds of years. Part of what was attractive about it was the possibility of building something very, very sustainable, uh, a business that could last for a very, very long time. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, we always think about uh, how to keep the soil healthy, how to encourage our farmers to use growing practices that will enable them to keep using this land for not, not just them, but their children and their children's children, and just keep on producing on this land for many, many generations. I, and I have one of my farmers who just loves to tell me he has a field that has not been tilled since before I was born. So, so just, uh, it, it's really fun to talk to them about things like uh, no-till growing practices, just thinking about soil health, crop rotation, adding barley into the mix of things that they grow. Crop rotation is a good idea for so many reasons, but among them is keeping down pest burden. You know, if you grow wheat over and over and over again on the same field, you'll get pests that like to eat wheat. So crop rotation is a good thing. Most of it comes from around 10 miles from where you're located. Is that our Carolina gold and Pilsner uh, malts? We, we've committed to buying all of our grain within 10 miles for those product lines. So um, everything we do, uh, we contract in advance with local growers and we buy uh, 100% of our barley needs uh, from those local growers. We do also have a Tennessee two-row malt. And for that, we contract with growers in Tennessee and truck that barley over from Tennessee, malt it, and then truck it back over to the breweries that want it. Now, tell me about where that's grown. Tell me the kind of qualities of that Tennessee two-row. It's a reference to uh, barley comes in two main breeds. There's two-row barley and six-row barley, and it refers to the, the head of the barley plant. So when you see barley or wheat or any other grain out in the field, there's a stalk and then a, a head at the top of the stalk. And in a two-row barley, there are two rows of barley kernels along that little head. In a six-row barley, there are six rows arranged in like a Star of David, like a six-pointed star around that head projected out along the head. The barley varieties uh, that we grow tend to be two-row. Uh, two-row barley tends to be a little plumper and uh, more consistent in kernel size. Yeah, we, we thought Tennessee two-row had some nice alliteration to it. Uh, so yes. we went with Tennessee two-row for the name. All of our Tennessee barley right now is grown by couple of growers down there around uh, Murfreesboro and Hillsboro. Really smart guys. Just a really cool operation. One of them has all his fields monitored with soil sensors so he can measure, I think, down to the down to like a two meter resolution or something like that. He can measure the water content and, and nutrient content in his soils and you know, spot apply fertilizer as needed. So just, just a really neat way to run a farming operation. So he, he's able to turn out some really beautiful barley uh, by doing that. Our, our customers have been 
very, very pleased with the quality of malt that comes out of Tennessee. And uh, the demand hasn't all been in Tennessee. I mean, we've sold it as far away as Charleston for people looking for that Tennessee malt flavor. Hasn't been too much of it available yet, but we're, we're working with them to grow the acreage year after year. I think so far we've been doubling the acreage every year, trying to keep it growing. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Hope you're having a good day. We're visiting today with Aaron Goss, founder of the Carolina Malt House. This agricultural enterprise is located in Cleveland, North Carolina, where Aaron works with local farmers within 10 miles of the malt house who grow grains that the Carolina Malt House then makes into different styles of malted grains for breweries. Aaron also works with a Tennessee farmer in Coffee County, Tennessee, who grows a specific barley for the Carolina Malt House named Tennessee Two Row and several award-winning Tennessee breweries use malts from the Carolina Malt House, such as Blackberry Farm Brewery, Tennessee Brew Works, Common John, Harding House, Yeehaw, and more. And in the next part of this interview, Aaron will let us know more about some of these Tennessee breweries that use the malts from the Carolina Malt House, and I also ask him about a family food memory. Well, so we're back talking with Aaron Goss from the Carolina Malt House. And Aaron, I just am such a fan of what you're doing. Thanks for being our guest. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate the chance to get the word out. Uh, a lot of people drink beers that have our malt in it, but don't quite understand that that's where the malt came from. There, there's so much focus on hops, and it's just it's really nice to be able to get the word out about what is really the, the key ingredient of beer, which is the malt. So. Right. Well, can you tell us some of the beers we might be drinking that we just don't even know your malts are in? Well, you're in Tennessee, so um, and we're we're really proud of the breweries we're working with there. Um, really great names. Uh, so Blackberry Farm Brewery, I think all of their beers uh, use a custom malt that we make for them, Blackberry Farm Malt. Their Pilsner in particular really showcases that flavor nicely. Tennessee Brew Works, Barit Tenfold. Harding House, Yeehaw. Uh, we wouldn't be in everything at Yeehaw, but if, if you went to their tap room and asked for, you know, the beer made with Carolina malt, they, they should be able to provide that. Oh, Common John down there near Hillsboro, Murfreesboro. Uh, he's got one called uh, South of the Red Light, all locally grown and, and uh, really good beer. But yeah, we're, we're really happy to be in all those. Um, a lot of awards given out for those beers. Uh, I mean, just for example, recently there was a U.S. Open beer championship. And uh, despite us being just a tiny little malt house, uh, I think we make 0.03% of all the malt made in America. But beers made with our malt took home 4% of the gold medals given in that national competition. So definitely worth looking for those uh, those those Tennessee breweries that I mentioned and giving them a try. Uh, you'll, you'll be happy with the beer, I promise. Absolutely. And I love that. I love that there is a good crop for the farmers to be growing it, no one no farmer is actually making a decision between growing corn and growing barley and the reason is that in this area barley is grown as a winter crop so the farmers that grow for us you never want to grow barley behind corn but you grow it behind soybeans 
So the barley is able to be planted a little bit later and harvested a little bit earlier than wheat. So it gives the farmer more time to grow their soybeans or their corn on that same field and and enhances their yield a little bit that way. But yeah, it is a specialty crop. Not only do we contract in advance, we take the harvest immediately at harvest time so they don't have to worry about storage expenses. And then also we do pay a premium relative to wheat. So uh, I, I think our growers are very happy to be working with us. That's good. Out of curiosity, do any distilleries buy your malts for making whiskey? A few do. There's a distillery down in uh, Mount Pleasant, North Carolina called uh, the Whiskey Prison, and they use our malt. And then we also have Old Nick in this area, and they've done a special run that they wanted to offer a special locally grown single malt whiskey. But we have trouble convincing distillers to use the locally grown product. I think there's at least an impression out there among many distillers that the ingredient quality doesn't matter as much because you're just going to distill it anyway. Brewers can definitely taste the difference. So uh, once we get a brewery to try out the local product, very, very often they, they, they immediately see the difference, see that this will allow them to make a better quality product. But, uh, but yeah, just not the same for distilleries. It's a, it's a much tougher sell. Interesting. Well, a lot of times I'll ask people about a recipe. I like your take on that question. <laughs> yeah, you you you, uh, you gave me a little warning that that was coming up, and I and I really put some thought into it because you asked me about a recipe that uh, that I had good memories associated with, and so I thought back to my childhood and I thought about what we ate, and it they, there really weren't a whole lot of recipes involved. Uh, I mean, salt was something that you put on the table, and if the people want to want to salt their food at the table they can salt the food at the table but the 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 cooking was just piece of meat like how do you how do you cook a piece of chicken how do you cook a steak and how do you cook a pork chop there there wasn't much of a recipe involved it was just about uh, okay steak you need to go hot and you need to go just a little bit of time on each side as far as childhood recipes i mean we, we didn't cook much more complicated than like macaroni and cheese and the macaroni and cheese was literally macaroni noodles and cheddar cheese and, and I, I was talking to my wife and, and I, I said, well, hey, I'm, I'm going on this podcast. And, the, you know, I, she wants to know about a family recipe that I have a fond memory of. And uh, I was t- telling her that and she said, you can't say that. You're insulting your mom's cooking. And I said, no, I'm not. My wife's from California. Her parents are from Southeast Asia. And they're kind of this joke on the Internet that, you know, and the joke is like white people don't season their food. And I told her, well, no, no, it's actually that I can cook a really great crisp flavorful chicken wing with just a chicken wing like no my, my mom's actually a great cook is what I'm saying and uh you know of course now I'm 40 and you know if I cook chicken wings I will make some buffalo sauce to go on them but at the same time like uh, you know I, I the, the way I was taught to cook was that didn't it's true it didn't involve a whole lot of seasoning but still the the food was very good yeah, I don't have any kind of particularly complex recipe to share. I mean, I I love mom's vegetable beef stew, which was literally beef and some vegetables <laughs> in, a, in a pot. And then you get it to the table. You put some salt and pepper on it. Tastes great. Tastes great. You just you just have to know how long to cook the potatoes and the green beans. And, the, you know, I, I, I put some thought into that. But it also kind of made me think back to starting the malt house. When you don't have the spices or the sauce to, to cover up your mistakes, you, you have to get that steak cooked perfectly. You know, that, that chicken wing has to be cooked 
perfectly because if the chicken doesn't shine, nothing else is going to. And, uh, and so it's just, you, you have to get it right at every single step. And it made me think back to, uh, one of my long-term business partners jokes with me sometimes about when he met me and I was telling him about the malt house idea, he saw a book on my dashboard and the name of the book was it starts with the soil. I, I, I was trying to learn everything I could about the biology and the, the growing patterns of barley to make sure that we could grow the best possible barley in this region. Barley is the oldest and most widely adapted crop known to man, but still we, we had to figure out the way to make it flourish the best it could in this growing area. And uh, it, it seems like we did. I mean, we, we had our best barley crop ever this year. I think the beers that our brewers turn out this next year are going to be just epic in quality. Can, cannot wait to try them out. You're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you so much again for tuning in today. We've just visited with Aaron Goss, founder of the Carolina Malt House, located in Cleveland, North Carolina. Aaron works with local farmers within 10 miles of the Malt House who grow grains that the Carolina Malt House then makes into different styles of malted grains for breweries. And they also work with a Tennessee farmer out of Coffee County, Tennessee, who grows a specific barley for the Carolina Malt House named Tennessee Two-Row. And many award-winning Tennessee breweries use malts from the Carolina Malt House, such as Blackberry Farm Brewery, Tennessee Brew Works, Common John, Harding House, Yeehaw, and more. More information about Aaron and the Carolina Malt House, carolinamalt.com. They are also found on Instagram. Just a super nice fella supporting farming and making excellent products. And a note, the Carolina Malt House does not advertise on this show, so he did not pay for me to brag on him. If you have people in your life that you think might be interested in this subject or this show, you can always listen to the podcast or share the podcast from your favorite podcast app or directly from my website, where you'll find notes, a picture of Aaron, and links to the Carolina Malt House, and Emmy Sunshine, who sings our theme song, at TennesseeFarmTable.com. Also, if you want to email me or get in touch with me, that's how to do that. This is Dustin Busby of DSB Provisions, and you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.